Amen. Thank you, sir. Have your Bibles be turning to the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. And if you notice, I stood till Brother Luther got through because I'm having a little problem getting down and getting up. I motivate pretty good once I get where I want to be, but uh, got a little back problem again, and so Brother John's going to speak for us tonight and give us a little relief. And uh, we all, uh, somebody said, no use of having an assistant if you're not going to use them, so uh, we try to keep them busy. Now, Brother Ray said he got that song and he was really going to put it off, and I know why he didn't because it goes right along with the message this morning that God's trying to show us that we need Him in our lives. And I've heard people say as trouble would come into the life of someone they knew, I just don't know how they face this without God. And then I've heard them say of their own selves, you know, without God I just couldn't stand this. And sometimes, though, we forget the importance of God in our everyday life. And that's what I believe God wants to remind us of this morning. We preached out of Psalms chapter 1 last week, and we're going to Proverbs chapter 1 this week, and I don't know where God will let us go, maybe next week. But anyway, if you'll stand, and uh, we'll read out of Proverbs 1. We'll start with verse 22 and go down through verse 25. How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorner delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn ye at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I've called and you've refused, and I've stretched out my hand, and no man regard regarded, but ye have said it not, all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for the opportunity of being able to gather once again in this place with your people. Father, I pray this morning especially that your spirit would come and be real in our midst. Lord, that we'd feel the moving of your power. Lord, as you stir the hearts of your children, and then, God, if there be those here that's not sure of heaven as their home, that today might be the day the Holy Spirit could reveal that unto them. Help us, Lord, as we try to uh, deliver your message, Lord, that we might have the strength and the clearness of mind to do what you've called us to do. In Christ's name, amen. I'll get a few smiles because the name of the message this morning is When God Flies a Kite. And that brings to my mind God sitting up on that holy throne with a kite string and a kite waving in the wind. And I guess he would be pretty good at that if he wanted to do it I was always lousy. I could never fly a kite. But we have a little humor as we look at the title and and think about it. And I've used this title once before, several months ago, maybe years ago now. And uh, its humor, uh, humorous title 
but yet what the message has for us is very serious. And maybe nobody else remembers that title or remembers anything about the message, but God has kindly, uh, for uh, no better, having no better term, he's kind of bugged me with that off and on uh, about God, being, when we need God, he'd be all fly to kite. And uh, I thought of having to walk through this life without him. But that brings us to the title. I looked through the Bible and I could only find the word kite twice and both times it referred to a bird. But what I want to say to you this morning is coming from our own experiences. Most of us, if not all of us, have had somebody that would come and start trying to tell us how to do something that we already knew how to do or give us advice that we really didn't want. And we'd say to them, why don't you go fly a kite? In other words, why don't you stay out of my business? Why don't you quit trying to tell me how to do? And so that brings on a little bit different uh, tone to the title. And... uh, So as we think about this, when we heard of those old sayings, go away and leave me alone, Solomon was saying in this first proverb that Israel essentially had that attitude. It said that uh, he had called and they refused. He stretched out his hand and they wouldn't have it. He gave them counsel and it meant nothing to them. And so I began to look around. Now, I believe everything in the Bible is for current use. I don't think God put anything down in there just for the old people of the Old Testament or anything down just for the people of the New Testament. I believe it's all current. And so as I observe, look around and observe our society, the people of which we have to do, our family, our friends, our acquaintances. I'm afraid that we find out we're right in the same predicament. God keeps sending us messages and we keep refusing. God keeps sending judgment on our nation and on our families and on our homes and we ignore them. And uh, I think it's obvious that we too have told God to go fly a kite. I know this is not very good etiquette, but I want to involve you just a little bit this morning. And I'm going to give you a little lead way. I'm going to let you pick the very best automobile that you have to think about. But how many people in here own an automobile? I see several hands. How many of those people that own an automobile know that you have a spare tire? I see several hands. How many of you who have an automobile and knows that it has a spare tire has checked it at least a month ago? 
two, three, four, four halves. Now you say, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say we might have that spare tire, but I've experienced at least on two occasions when I got ready to use it, it was flat. And by the way, both times it was raining. But we try to use God the same way. We put him off up there somewhere and say, God, stay out of my business. I want to run my life the way I want to run it. What you think doesn't matter. And one day we'll call, and he won't hear. And so as we begin to try to understand what the psalmist is saying to us here, there is two verses in the book of Psalms that says, says exactly the same thing. I was starting to say it uh, says essentially the same thing. They say exactly the same thing. It's verse 1 of chapter 14 and verse 1 of chapter 53. And the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Now, I can't read the original language. But I know some men that I have confidence in that can. And more than one has said that if that verse was read correctly, it would say, the fool has said in his heart, no God for me. Not that I don't believe he existed. It's just, I don't want anything to do with God. In fact, I heard an a individual on television one time make that statement. I could call her name, believe it or not. But she said to a man that was talking about God chastening his children, she said, if that's the kind of God you serve, I don't want anything to do with him. Now I'll tell you, that lady, just like all the rest of us, is going to stand before that God one day and give it a cow. And you may not be bold enough to say that with your mouth, but many of us say it by our actions. God, stay out of my business. I read a story in the book of Luke about, well, actually they're parables. And uh, they're either about three different men or the same man at three different stages in his life. The first one is found in Luke 18. I don't have that marked. I'll get there in just a moment if you'll bear with me. Luke 18. Starting with verse 18. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, all these have I 
kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet like thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. Here was a rich young ruler. And he thought he wanted God in his life till he found out what it was going to cost him. If we're really going to be a disciple of the Lord, he has to be number one in our life. We can't have money or fame or anything like that ahead of God. His will must be supreme in our lives. And then there's a second parable that's in the 12th chapter. And uh, starting with verse 16. This is about another individual that left God out. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, There's where he made the mistake. He left God out. He thought within himself. What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruit? And he said, this is his opinion, this will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. I've got it figured out, God. I don't need your advice. Boy, look how I've been blessed, and look what I've got. Now listen. And I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And then we come across that little contrasting conjunction that we talk about very much but God. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? And then we want to share with you one other parable found in 16, Luke 16. That's a familiar chapter to many of you. I want to read verses 22 and 23. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell lifted up his eyes, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, here's the three different men or the three times of the same man. I'm not sure which. But he started off as a young ruler, very wealthy. And he put what he owned before God. And then as he progressed along and the uh, blessings become more abundant and he had nowhere to restore them, he said, I'll decide what I'm going to do. I really don't need God's advice. And then this man in Luke 16 winds up in hell. Now, I want you to know this man in Luke 16 didn't wind up in hell because he was rich. 
There's going to be some rich people in heaven. And there's going to be some people as poor as I am in hell. Money doesn't have anything to do. In fact, this man of Luke 16, if you read, he was probably very religious. But he was unsaved. And I'm simply saying that these are illustrations of three different men which God manifested unto us that said, God, just go fly a kite. I'll take care of my own business. And it's awful easy for us as abundantly blessed as we are in America to fall into that same category. Do you know it's time that we realize that the spiritual is much greater value than the physical? If I went and asked you these questions this morning, every one of you would say, sure, I believe this. But I want us to be impressed greater with the fact that hell is real. That rich man that we read about in Luke 16, two, at least 2,000 years ago, that was cast into hell, he's still in hell today. And 2,000 years from now, he'll still be in hell. Once you get in hell, there's no getting out. And I want you to know this morning that the devil is real. You say, how do you know? Well, I could check with many of you and you'd say, I ran into him this morning. But I also want us to know that heaven is real. Heaven is... beyond the ability of man to describe. And God is real. You say, how do you know God's real? I talked to him this morning. He let me know he's still alive. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that when we get to the place where we say, Lord, I don't know why. And God said, you just listen. I'm still in control. And I'm still on the throne. And I'm not sick. And so as we think about that this morning, how that these things influence our lives. Does Satan have an influence on your life? Sure he does. You may not realize it, but Satan has an influence on your life. But he only has the influence as far as you will let him have if you're saved this morning. Satan can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Because if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within your heart and uh, he is greater than he that's in the world. You know, sometimes we get to the place where We think, man, I've got all of my wrong and all of my sins and so forth hid. I've hid them from the preacher and I've hid them from the church. Maybe I've hid them from mom and daddy or I've hid them from my children or whatever is important to you. But we need to realize we never hide anything from God. And uh, so those people that 
Solomon wrote about in Proverbs 1. They knew what was right. They had heard the word. God said, I'd sent you the word. But you refused. When we stand up here, whether it's me or Brother John or Brother Rex or whoever it is standing up here, when we walk up here, we are in essence saying to you, we have a message from God. Now, we better be sure the message we bring from God. If I get up here, if I get up here and say by my actions, I've got a message from God, and then I preach my opinion. I'm not only in trouble with you, I'm in trouble with God. And so it's the word of God that we need to understand that we're going to be judged by one day. What this preacher says doesn't amount to much unless it's backed up by the word. Because I'm not going to be the one you're going to stand before one day and have to give an account. Have you ever thought about standing before God and all of your little old nasty secret sins revealed? Maybe just sins of the mind. I'm talking about this morning keeping God as a part of our daily lives. These people of Proverbs rebelled against the authority of God. They said, we don't need you. We don't need your word. And uh, as I said at the beginning, as I look around, we are a whole lot different. And it makes no difference if you're brand new in the work or if you've been going down the road 50 years. Doesn't make any difference if you're well-educated or illiterate. Doesn't make any difference if you have problems in your life that you don't understand. I think all of us have been there. Things have come into our life. We just don't understand why God let that happen. God, why are you making this walk so hard? But you see, we go right back to have to remember, God's still in control. And when we can get to the place where we can trust God, I know Brother Vans, like me, he's got a little bit of a problem, so I'll pick on him. I, I, I love to pick on people with problems. You know, it's easy to say God's in control and I trust him. But then we get something wrong with us, we start saying, oh God, why? Instead of saying, God, you're still in control. I trust your judgment. Whatever you decide to do, it's all right with me, and it wouldn't make any difference whether it's all right for me or not. But that's, that's for our good. If we can come to the place where we can accept whatever God expects, whatever God decides to do, it's all right with me. And so I've tried to, best I know how, this morning to lay out some of the things that we may like. You know, you can't 
cure a disease until you diagnose it. And we have some problems, not only in the world today, but among God's children. And we're not going to be able to do anything about them and until we decide what's wrong. And I tell you, a good place to start is right here. Right here. What's wrong with me, Lord? What do I need to do in order to get closer to you? What do I need to do to be more powerful? Because there's two solutions this morning, two decisions that you'll make. As we've discussed the needs in our lives, you can see the gracious goodness of God as he offers you a chance to repent. And you can repent, and the Bible says God will forgive you of all unrighteousness. Or you can refuse and continue to rebel. And he goes on in Proverbs 1 here to tell you what happens, starting with verse 26. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come, cometh upon you. Then shall they cry unto me. Listen to this. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early and they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, they eat of the fruit of their own ways and be filled with their own devices. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? Great trouble come into your life and you get down and you begin to cry. God, man, can't do anything else for me. I have to just depend on you. You're the only one. And God said, <laughs> go ahead and let those you've been serving help you. Wouldn't that be terrible? But now if the word of God is true, and I believe it is, he tells us that's exactly what will happen. But we refuse to listen to God. When we call upon him, he'll refuse to listen to us. God is long-suffering in his love toward us. He calls and he calls many times and we refuse. But there's coming a time when his patience will run out. The same thing is true of those that have never accepted Christ. God will convict hearts and convict that heart and one day his patience will run out and God will walk away and he won't return. I trust this morning will be the day that you'll surrender your will, your soul, your life unto him. As we stand, we ask to be in our prayer and song leader come.